Amen. Amen. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. Thankful for another privilege God's given to us to be in his house this morning and another privilege to look into his word. Thankful for, thankful for all that he does for us. Thankful for the, take for granted, thankful for the health and the strength to be here. I know there's a lot of, a lot of folks that would like to be here that aren't able to. It's already been said, we need to lift them up in prayer. But we need to pray for each other, I tell you. We're, we, we're here, but you know, uh, there's always the enemy around. He doesn't, uh, he's always after us. So, you know, we need to pray for each other. I mean, we really do. I mean, we really do we need to lift each other up. So, I'm going to read verse 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It says, Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge, and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. So, just to kind of take a moment to kind of set where we've been and kind of where we're going. In, if you remember in verses 1 through 6, we were, we've been given the example of what Christian giving is. And now in verses 7 to 15, we're going to kind of move to, I would call this the, or J. Vernon McGee called it this, it wasn't Greg called it this. Um, he, he referred to 7 through 15, verses 7 through 15 of this chapter as, as exhortation to Christian giving. You know, Paul here, he's, he's encouraging us to embrace Christian giving. That's, that's, what, he's, that's what he's doing here. And it, but not only encouraging us, but he's giving us advice and he's giving us counsel that it's needful. I mean, that's what that word exhortation means. I mean, it means advice, counsel, means something to kind of stir us, you know, positive thing to stir us, something that we should be stirred about. And that it's needful for a Christian to practice and to embrace the grace of giving. And, you know, I think we have these verses for us uh, also personally for us to think upon who we are as believers and whose we are as believers. And, I mean, I think, you know, the more that, the more that I set my mind and my heart to think on whose I truly am, I tell you, it changes my attitude, it changes my outlook, it changes my entire life, as I'm sure it does each and every one of you all. I mean... We don't always, I mean, I'll just say, and I don't think I'll say this for all of us, we don't always focus as much as we should on whose we are. I mean, and, and it'll, it'll change us. The more we focus on that, the more it'll help us to live for him. But, and it'll change our attitude on a lot of things. So in verse 7, you know, I've said this before, but the Corinthian church, we know, had its problems, okay? But I believe, even in spite of all that, there was still a large number of people within the church that were working and serving to fulfill God's purpose. I mean, I, I firmly believe that. And Paul tells us here, I mean, he's given us some insight into that here because he tells us that they were abounding in everything. I mean, to me, that means they were doing it for the right reason. They were doing it for the right reason. And the Apostle Paul, as I said, I think I said last week, he knew these people. But when you think about abound, I mean, abound means... It means they had a lot. I mean, that's what it really means. It means there's a lot. I mean, he wouldn't have used that word if there wasn't a lot. And you say, well, a lot of what? Well, he kind of tells us right here in this verse, I mean, number one, I think they had a lot of faith. I think they were grounded in the gospel. They were grounded in what the apostle Paul had brought to them, what he was teaching them, what he had preached to them. I mean, and they were, they were grounded in that, I believe. And also, he goes on and he says here, in knowledge and utterance. I mean, 
I think they were studying the word to grow themselves, which we should all do, right? I think they were studying the word to grow themselves, and they were seeking to share the gospel with others. I mean, they were wanting to, they were wanting to share it. They were wanting to share the knowledge that they'd been given. They were wanting to share with others. And they were studying the word, like I said, to grow. They were seeking to share the gospel with others. You know, I think here's the thing. It's like they were diligent as believers. They were serious. They were aware of what had been given to them. You know, and I think so many times, you know, I, I, even after all these years, I still lose sight of how important, how blessed, what a gift it is that, that's been given to me. I mean, through salvation. But it, it is, and, and, and I truly believe that's why, you know, when Paul mentions these things to us, I think it's interesting. He says, though, be able to, to share it, we've got to first really know what we have. You know what I mean? And if we don't, if we haven't, stu- if I haven't studied, I can't really be an effective witness to anybody. I mean, not even in my own home. If I don't, if I don't live, if I don't get in the Word to understand how I'm supposed to live, how am I supposed to be a witness? How am I supposed to? Was somebody else going to say something? I thought I. And the walk matters, doesn't it? It does matter. It does matter. So, you know, they they were uh, they were serious and they were aware of what had been given to them. And and you know, the other thing is they loved. I believe they loved Paul and they loved Titus as well. And they loved their brothers and sisters. I, I believe that. And Paul knew this. And he's saying, he's, he, you know, what he tells us here in verse 7, he says, just as you've grown and continue to grow in all these wonderful things, he says, grow also in the grace of giving. I mean, I, I think Paul's saying that giving is just as important as all the other wonderful and good things that they were doing. I mean, that's basically what he was telling them there. So he goes on and he says in verse 8, let me read verse 8. He says, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. And and when he he starts this verse off, he says, I speak not by commandment. Now, there's a couple of things I want to look at in this statement, but the second one, I'm going to kind of put it off until later. But to me, first, when he says this, you know, I don't think that Paul was, well, in fact, I know he wasn't. He wasn't directing them or ordering them to give, okay? He was, he, was, he was explaining to them, he was providing to them the example that there were believers um, and that as us, as believers, that we should all have a desire to want to give, okay? And he's not trying to control, you know, or own their property. He's not, he, he, what he's trying to do is teach that what is given must be given in love and from a willing mind and a willing heart. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, right? I mean, I mean, it, it wouldn't have mattered. I mean, he could have, he could have, for lack of a better way of saying it, lorded over them, you know, tried to hold a, an iron rod over them to say, well, you will, you need, this is, this is the amount you've got to give. That's not what he did. That's not what he did. He said, look, look at what God's done, how he's impacted the lives of these other people in these other churches, and look, you're as blessed, even more blessed than they are. You should, you should be doing as they are doing, right? So, um, so he's teaching that what is given must be given in love and from a willing mind and a heart. It's got to be a willing work, but it's got to come from right here. If it doesn't come from right here, from, if it doesn't come from inside, I mean, really, it's, it's really not going to benefit ourselves. I mean, sure, if it's, if it's money or something like that, but outside of that, 
if it's not coming from the heart, it's probably not going to benefit me, and it's probably not going to benefit anybody else either, probably. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And, you know, the, the next thing he tells us here is he reminds us of the example, like I said, of their liberal offering. And he's telling us again that these churches weren't able to give as much as what the Corinthians were able to give. Um, but he's saying, look at what God can do. This is what, this is what I, I like, you know, when you think about this. He's saying, look at what God can do through you if you're willing. You know, I mean, and that's really, that applies to all of us. Look at what, God, I mean, think about what God can do. I mean, I don't care what part of life, not just in giving, okay, or take that word giving and, and, and blow it up. Don't just think about it as being financial, which is kind of what he's talking about here, but even outside of that, think about what God can do with us if we're willing. I mean, that's, that's really what he's telling us, if I'm willing. So the Macedonian churches, I mean, they'd set the standard, and they had, they had set the bar for the other churches at that time, I believe. And, and let me say for us today as well, I mean, I think they've kind of set the bar. I mean, I believe that's why this is in God's Word. I mean, for us to read, as everything is, it's in God's Word. It's here for us to, to learn from, for us to use as an example. And um, here's the last thing that Paul records for us. He says in this verse, down here he says, let me find it here again. Let me read it again. He says, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others. I mean, that's where he's talking about the other churches. They're giving their example. And then he says, and to prove the sincerity of your love. He's saying basically, if you say you really love the Lord, then you ought to really have a desire to want to give him something. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, that's really, you know, and I, and I, I thought about that, to prove the sincerity of your love. I mean, he doesn't specifically say, what is the love that he's speaking of here, whether he's talking about whether his love to God, whether you know, or their love to God, their love to Paul, or to the church. Um, but, you know, I kind of think it was sort of in a general sense. And Oliver Green said this about it. He, he kind of thought it kind of a general sense, not just one specific avenue of love, but a lot of things. He said their love to God for what he had done, their love to Christ for what he had done, their love to Paul for preaching the gospel to them and leading them into the glorious life of God's saving grace. And then the other thing is their love to the church and for the brethren. I mean, that's really, when you think about, you know, the sincerity of, of, the, of our love, how do I show it? I mean, you know, how, how do I show, I mean, how do people see that I love the Lord? I mean, they should, there ought to be something that shows right i mean if, if they don't if you guys don't see something in me that shows i don't mean me standing up here on sunday morning i mean and just if i run into you somewhere or whatever there ought to be something that shows and that's what he's saying it's like if you really love the lord it's gonna it's gonna have an impact on us right that's right yep that's it so um So, so verse, this verse 8, I mean, I think if, if we look at this and read it again, I mean, I, I think it's powerful when we think about what Paul was wanting the Corinthians to do and, and also what he's, what he's wanting us to do, okay? What he's wanting us to get a hold of, not just do, but really to get a hold of. You know, and, and I thought, he kind of says, look around, there's a great work to do that you can be a part of. And I thought, I wrote that down and I just kind of stopped. 
and I thought, you look around. I mean, I don't care where you live, look around. There's a great work. And you say, what's the great work? There's a ton of lost people all around us. I don't care where you I don't care where you live. I guarantee you there's people right around you. There's people right around where we live. No matter where you are at work, I mean wherever. You say an opportunity to help people see that they need the Lord. I mean that's I mean there's a great work to do. And it's up to us to take part in that great work. Okay? And and and, and I wrote out the great work of giving. I mean that's really what Paul's saying here, the great work of giving to prove the sincerity of our love for our Lord and Savior. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, to prove the sincerity of our love. It's easy for me to stand up here and tell you or stand up and testify for 30 seconds and say, I love the Lord, praise the Lord, and sit back down and make sure I show up here on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday. But, you know, there's a, it's a, whole, there's a whole lot more to it than that. You know, if I never read his word, I really don't love him. I mean, I mean I'm just being honest. If I never pray, I really don't love him. I mean, if he doesn't, if he hasn't changed my life, I really don't love him. I mean, it's that simple. And you can say, well, you're saved. Yeah, but there's, man, that's just the first step. <laughs> I didn't used to realize that, okay? When I first got saved, I didn't have a clue. I just thought, okay, I'm in. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sorry. I was young. And, well, I wasn't young. I was just dumb, okay? <laughs> so, but it's the truth. That's the first step. Being saved is step one. There's a whole lot more to it than just being saved. Man, and I say praise the Lord for it because think about what we've all learned from the time that we got saved to where we are now. I mean, it's what a blessing it is. So that's right. That's right. That's exactly right. And and to me, that's what Paul is is getting at here. I mean, it, I mean, these folks. You think about these. If they didn't have much, they had a love for the brethren. They did. They had a love for the for other churches because they knew. Well, they just had a love for him. So, um, for back in First John chapter four, you know, because I, I couldn't get past this without thinking about the word love. And in First John chapter four, verses seven through eleven, I mean, this is this is what John wrote. He says, "Beloved," and this is familiar scripture, but "Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God and knoweth God." He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought, we ought able, or I'm sorry, we ought also to love one another. I mean, that's what he's telling us. He's like, if we say we love the Lord, if I say I love the Lord and I don't love you all, then I really don't love the Lord. I mean, I really don't. That's just how it is. But, um, you know, I, I feel like, verse, come down to verse 19 in that same chapter, and it says, real short verse, we love him because he first loved us. You know? I mean, that's what it comes down to. He gave first, you know, he loved me, when I didn't have a clue that I needed him, he loved me, and he wanted me, and he saved me. And, I mean, but I, before I was even saved, he still loved me. I mean, that's right, yeah. And um, this verse 19, I mean, that, that's the thing, Tom, Tom pretty much hit on it, but uh, the footnote in my Bible says this. It says, because God first loved us, 
our wills and affections are transformed so that love replaces our selfishness. And I'll tell you what, that, that one right there will soak for a while if you let it. You know what I mean? I think, you know, I, I flunk that test sometimes. But you know what? The, when you think about it, it's what happens when we're saved. I mean, when we get saved, we get transformed. Okay? We get changed. We know this. But I also believe the transforming continues. As we continue to serve him and honor him, he continues to, to mold us, to transform us, to change us. I mean, it needs, the, the word transform means to change the natural disposition and temperament of man into a disposition and temperament conformed to the will of God. I mean, um, you think about how that when we're saved, I mean, we're changed right then and there. I mean, once, when, when he saves us, there's a change that happens. I mean, we're truly changed from a, a, a body of just nothing but flesh to a body that has the presence of Almighty God within us. I mean, that's, a, that's, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about being transformed. But that transformation is supposed to continue. And um, we, get, we get changed into the image of God. Romans 12, 2, I, I, I came across, I'm going to read it, and it says this, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I mean, he's talking to saved people here. I mean, it's once we're saved, I mean, granted, yeah, our, we're, we're changed instantly when we're saved. But after, I mean, after that happens, we got to keep, there's a continual change that's to happen. You know what I mean? I, I don't know about you all, but <laughs> I'm far from perfect, okay? Even though I've been saved for 20-some years, that doesn't make me perfect. Okay, and that doesn't mean that I don't need to continue to grow in my relationship with, with him. I mean, that's the, you know, you think about that. Does that not, does that not just, I don't know, do you, do you not just, it just kind of lodge in your mind for a minute when you think about that? That he's got enough that he wants to give to us that it'll take the, me the rest of my life and I still won't get it all. I mean, what, I mean, what a privilege. right that's right that's right i mean he yeah and i just i don't you know we love him i'm not doubting that we love him i mean i love him but still yet i think pastor tom was preaching on this a day or a week or so ago i mean i can't totally really grasp the whole thing i mean i can't none of us can but i mean but you know what that doesn't mean that i shouldn't still set and meditate upon it sometimes and then just let it soak on me for a while and because the more I do that, the better off I'm going to be. I can tell you that as a person. It really does. Anybody else have a comment? All right. Let's go back to verse 8. Verse 8 of chapter 8. But that's what, I mean, that's really what Paul's trying to tell us, what Tom just said. I mean, it's a, if we love him, there's going to be, it's going to, it's going to prompt us to want to live for him, right? It's going to prompt us to want to live for him. Yeah, to be like him, that's right. I mean, it's going to, it's going to have a prompting on us. So this other 
looking at verse 8 again where he starts off and he said, I speak not by commandment. And I couldn't help but just as I was studying this, I thought, well, you know, immediately I thought about to the, I thought back to the Old Testament and I thought back to the other parts of the Bible where it talks about um, giving. And I started thinking about the word, you know, the tithe, about tithing. And I just couldn't get away from it. So, um, like I said, I thought there, there was two things when he said, I speak not by commandment. And there could be more, but these two things just kind of stuck with me. You know, as I said before, Paul, he wasn't ordering the Corinthians to give or to take part in the giving. The other thing is, I think what Paul was telling them is, he was, he was clearly saying, look, there's not a, it's not written in, in the old law of Moses, of the, of the Mosaic law, it's not written that you have to give. He's, he's saying, that's not, that's not how, why I'm, what I'm trying to help you understand here. That's not what I'm teaching. But he's, he's saying, I want to, um, we know the reference to or the concept of the tithe was under the Mosaic law, okay? And tithe means 10%. Y'all chime in here if there's something you don't agree with me as I'm going through here. But tithe means 10%. And from what I read, it represented a tenth or represents a tenth of the produce of the earth consecrated and set apart for special purposes, okay? And Webster said this, says the tithe is the tenth part of the annual increase arising from the profits of land and stock, labor, crops, animals, etc. And you say, oh, that's old stuff. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Three categories here I just mentioned. Labor, crops, and animals. In my mind, that's where everybody earns money from even today. Even today. Now you think about it. I mean, people, they, I mean, if people farm, they raise crops or they raise animals or they're into all kinds of other animals these days. Who knows what they're raising and selling? We won't get into that. Or crops. But if you think about that, and labor. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. And, and, and I've I read somewhere, I can't remember if it was Jay Vernon McGee or somebody, and it really kind of hit me, hit my heart. He said, you know, he said, Brother, no matter what you think about this whole concept, he said, you should, ought to be ashamed if you, if you think that you need to keep more than 90% of what God's given to you. So, for, for what it's worth. But anyway, I think it's interesting that the, the categories back then, it's just like everything. Man hadn't changed and God hadn't changed, okay? I mean, we're, man is still deriving his income. You can say, oh, well, we don't, they don't farm. Or, but it's still coming from those same three basic groups that he identified way back when. So, um, so under the Mosaic Law, okay, here's um, every Jew, from what I read, and, and Tom, you can correct me here if I get off track here, every Jew was required to pay three tithes of his property. And listen, to, I mean, it's interesting when you think about this because look at what the, what the kind of the, the purpose of this was. One was for the Levites. That was to basically to, to support them. One was for the use of the temple and for the feasts. And one was for the poor of the land. So you think about that. I mean, you're covering the, the, basically the, the, the priests, you're covering the church, and you're covering those poor okay and Leviticus 27 30 let me find this I didn't think I was going to get this far but 
um, clearly states that the tithe belonged to the Lord. Let me flip back there and find that. It's Leviticus 27.30. Let me find it here real quick. Twenty-seven thirty, and all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. I mean, let, I'll just go ahead and say. I mean, you, we can say what we want, but I mean, everything I have today, it all belongs to Him, and everything you have, whether you realize it or not, it's all His. Because you know what. If I drop dead here in 30 seconds, guess who's going to, you know, after, and Lori's gone? I mean, it's all going, it's all his anyway. It's all going back. It's all his. But anyway, um, but Paul says, so let's keep in mind here, he says, I speak not by commandment. So the tithe did not originate, as Pastor Tom already said, in the law. Okay, the tithe originated before the law. And I think this is the principle that God wants us to grasp is, the, the tithe is not meant to be a directive to us, but a desire that should come again from within us. I mean, you know, this giving thing, I mean, we can, we can give and give grudgingly, but again, it's just like giving whether it's money, time, whatever you want to call it, talent, if you have any, or whatever it is. But if you ain't giving it because you love him, you might as well just hang it up and go home. Um, <laughs> Keep on giving. <laughs> That's it. So. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll stop there until next week, Lord willing, and we'll pick up there.